0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. <laughs> that was very musical of you,
0: John. Thank you. We're going to talk about musical hacks today. Oh, yes. So, again, we're <laughs> in our series of episodes about using technology to do stuff what it was not meant to do. What it was not uh, meant to do. Or, or to, to, to manipulate it, change it, to tweak it in some way so that it behaves in a new and exciting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to talk about... That sort of culture that, and the music culture and how those two overlap. Okay. Because, uh, it turns out that a lot of people who have liked to hack physical as well as virtual types of stuff are also really into the music.
1: Mm hmm. That's true. Um, yeah, a lot of the, uh, we, we've kind of touched on this in the past. Uh, we, have. we recorded an, an episode in early 2011 about, uh, chiptunes.
0: Yes. Chiptunes being, uh, music that you generate from those old 8 bit, uh, machines and earlier, but things like uh like the commodore sixty four and yeah. stuff you take the 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 chips that were able to generate tones and you repurpose them so that you program new sorts of music that those devices were never necessarily meant to produce back in the day, but it does produce that very, very distinctive sound that we associate with the early days of computing and video games
1: yep yep wasn't that wasn't that the episode where I embarrassed myself because I'd prepped by uh, listening to bags of potato chips you can 't listen to just one that 's true yeah uh, i didn't learn that much, but no a, a lot of the people um we didn 't really get into the technology behind that as much because uh, I mean we did talk about how they they use um, video games in in that case as electronic instruments, but we we didn 't really talk as much about building, about what you need to do to make that happen. Hmm. Um, one of the people that uh, that uh, Jonathan sort of, if you'll pardon the pun, tuned me into, um, hacked an Atari 2600.
0: Yes, he made the Gatari 2600. Yes. C-Trix. Yeah, he's an Australian fellow. Yeah, he's a chiptune artist from Australia, and he took an Atari 2600, uh, he took some various... Electronics meant to uh, manipulate the the waveform of a sound once it's been produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he creates some um, customized software to be able to create music using this Atari 2600. And it's not it's not creating music completely improvisationally. There's some stuff that has to be pre-recorded and uh, you know predetermined because he could not actually just produce any tone he wanted at any time he wanted.
1: Right. Now, he knows how the uh, these initial machines, and we've talked about this, too, on a previous episode in which we were talking about the gaming hardware. Yeah. Um, those those early machines, like the Atari 2600, had a library of sounds built into the machine. It was on a chip. Hardwired. Hardwired into the chip. So, um, C-Trix is... Familiar with the hardware, he knows what sounds are are available to him on this machine.
0: Right, the range of tones and volumes, etc.
1: And then different waveforms, the the square wave, um, and the different the uh, different sounds that he can make. And so what he does is he uses a computer to write uh, a background track, basically using uh, uh, assembly code, right, um, which is a very low-level programming language. Um, and he's able to use – he knows what the sounds are, and he writes the software, and then he ends up burning a a ROM to go into the cartridge slot on the Atari. So
0: it's just like you were putting a video game. So, like, let's say you wanted to play Pitfall, and you put that into the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. By the way, Pitfall was an awesome game. Yes, it uh, was. It was uh, a River Raid, another awesome game. But you put that into your Atari 2600, you turn it on, and then it goes. Well, in this case, he's he was creating – the equivalent of a music cartridge that you yeah. put in there, and what would happen is it would play this predetermined track, which he could then manipulate with the other electronics that he had uh, built. And he built it on a platform that resembles this huge clunky guitar.
1: Right now, if if you're if you're familiar with something like uh, GarageBand or some of these other um, uh, basic music editing software mm-hmm. uh, programs, you're you're probably familiar with the idea of uh, them saying, okay, well, we've included a hundred clips and it'll be something really simple, a uh, basic percussion track or maybe a, a bass line that you can use as a bass line to write a, a piece of music over. And so that's what he's including there. He'll write a basic, uh, um, if you will, something, something to build on and he'll turn on the Atari machine and it starts playing that bass. Track on which he can improvise playing additional notes. Right. Um, he uses, there's a, um, uh, joystick attached to this. Yes. Um, it looks very much like the third party joysticks that you used. Actually, it may very well be, I don't recognize that particular joystick, but it's got a couple buttons on it. And he can use that to, uh, switch between tracks on the, on the cartridge. Yep. Um, and it's also got some effects pedals. He uh, he actually used. Um, I switched my notes here. Uh, he all, he has an uh, equalizer pedal yep. uh, built in, and these are the, the stomp pedals, the foot pedals that that a guitarist would use. Um, that but, you see them switch on the floor. Right. So instead of
0: stomping on it, he's actually built these into the neck of the Guitari 2600. So he's yes. using his hand to change the pedals as yeah. opposed to his foot.
1: Yeah. There are three. There's an a, an equalizer pedal or EQ. There's a flanger and a a digital delay pedal mm-hmm. uh, which he uses with his hands uh, in addition to having the joystick and the Atari 2600 which is at the uh, uh, where you would find the body of the guitar
0: right so uh, I say we listen to a short segment of, uh, of Ctrix playing his guitar 2600 this is him playing at a live performance in Japan and we're just gonna give you a, a short little snippet to kind of let you understand what it sounds like uh. If your ears are sensitive, I recommend lowering the volume of your listening device now. Uh, I'm I'm vamping a little bit so that you can do this because it is pretty loud. But Mm here is an example of his live performance in front of a crowd in Japan. (laughs)
1: It's definitely, some of the comments on his YouTube page are a little harsh. I, I agree that that's not necessarily everybody's style of music, but I do think that uh, it's very, very cool what he's done there. It's kind of a mix
0: between electronica and industrial. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's got a real crunchy kind of sound to it. There are other uh, approaches to this musical hacking that are similar to that. There's... um. A, a great term called circuit bending, mm-hmm. which really seems to be prevalent in the UK more than in the United States, but it's the idea of using low voltage musical electronics uh, that you would find in things ranging from basic video games to even electronics that you would find like uh, in, in a children's toy, yes, like Speak and Spell, yeah, and uh, oh. and then you bend. Circuit bending means you you are actually short circuiting the device and you're producing new sounds that the device was never meant to create.
1: Yeah, a lot of people who do circuit bending will go to um uh places that uh offer like thrift stores. Yeah. Where you'll find a lot of old toys. Yeah. And they'll go through and, and find and you can get that stuff for cheap at, at the thrift stores. Um or uh, they'll go to yard sales, stuff like that. And a lot of cases they'll be uh you know, not uh, either either not functioning quite right or, you know, people will give it to you for uh, a couple bucks. Yeah. And it's easy for them to uh, they'll they'll get several of them. And in, in fact, I've seen the speak and spell is one of the most popular, I think. Yeah. Uh, or at least the ones I've seen most frequently mentioned. And um they will either, uh, you know, they'll short circuit something or will uh, short circuit. A couple boards together.
0: Yeah, they rewire they some rewire stuff. stuff. So it actually involves physically rewiring electronics. So there's yeah. often like a soldering iron is, is one of the basic tools in the toolkit for yeah. someone who yeah. wants to do this. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a trend that was, uh, well, at least the, the whole circuit bender trend is is attributed to a fellow named Paul Norris, mm-hmm. who, uh, who found, uh, he actually used a speak and, and spell, and apparently According to the information I read from circuitbenders.co.uk, it was – it was, quote, a chance accident with an old speak and spell machine and a soldering iron. So just, hey, you got a soldering iron on my speak and spell. Hey, you got speak and spell on my solder. Say. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's this interesting music that can be created from these electronics. And, and in fact, the Circuit Bender's website has a few different tracks that you can listen to. Um, so, Again these two different approaches it's trying to achieve that similar outcome using these electronics that were uh they had sound incorporated in them from the beginning but in order to make music you are you're actually making it do something it wasn't intended to do. Mm-hmm. And in fact uh, they might be giants did a re-recording of their incredible cover uh Istanbul. Yes. Which is in fact a cover uh They Might Be Giants made that famous back uh, in their Flood album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, a, a fantastic cover. One of their most popular songs when they play live. I've seen They Might Be Giants play live many, many times. I'm a huge fan. Well, they did a... a, a They covered it again. They did a new version of it where it mm-hmm. was more of an electronica version. Yeah. And they use a speak and spell in that, in that uh, version. If you listen to it, you can hear the different noises. Um, and uh, it's really creative. A fantastic version. And uh, I'm sure I'll link to that. I've already linked to the video once on the TechStuff Facebook page, but I won't hesitate to do it again because I love the band that much.
1: Well, they're, they're kind of funny too in a way because, um, if you know anything about the band, they started out as, uh, you know, just the, the two of them, John and John. Yeah, John and John. Um, and
0: then they added some Dans. Yes, they did. A A whole band of Dans. Yeah. And then eventually one of the Dans left and Marty came on.
1: But, uh, yeah, when they, when they first started, they were, they used a lot of, uh, electronic instruments and, and loops and things. Um, and then they, if you will, sort of went unplugged. They started using uh, more guitars and and live drums rather than or acoustic drums rather than digital electronic drums. Right, and, you know stuff, and that was sort of a shock for those of us who were. You know, fans used, before yeah, that. Yeah, used
0: to it when it was just the two guys up on stage, yeah. and then suddenly there were three other guys up there.
1: Yeah, but if you if you follow them, you've known, uh, and over the last few years, they've started experimenting with little gadgets and gizmos and stuff, and throwing things in. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun to. They, uh, to they, watch they also and did a
0: uh, they did a cover of uh, Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping. Yes, they did for the AV Club, and oh, that yeah. that is phenomenal. What a wonderful, wonderful video. <laughs> but they used they used uh, devices like that as well. You know they they create some electronic music uh, live in a in a big group of people who mm-hmm. are all shouting the lyrics along, and uh, a joyous video. Absolutely yes. love
1: it. Um, uh, were, were we? Uh, yeah, we okay. can move on. Moving on. Um, actually, uh, sort of a uh, hybrid instrument sort of came to me um mm-hmm. when i was looking at the uh the guitar. before even when when jonathan showed me that he actually showed me before we had this idea yeah uh for the podcast I was just like look at this thing and i was for yeah and i was uh sort of fooling around with it and i ran into um an instrument created by a uh, very well a reasonably famous ha- hacker uh jerry ellsworth uh-huh um she's very hack. uh, uh popular in the hacking community, and um, she's also part of Valve Software. Oh, yeah, uh, Which the yeah. uh, uh, gaming community knows very well. Um, uh C-Trix has done stuff with other machines, uh, not just the Atari. He's used uh, an Amiga and a uh, Game Boy, but he's also used the Commodore 64. And uh, as an interesting tie-in, um, Jerry Ellsworth used a Commodore 64 to make a, uh, a bass guitar. But unlike what C-trix did she actually used the neck and strings from the bass and uses the Commodore 64 to um, interpret the the strings wow. you know basically used as the the pickup for the bass
0: now as most of you know Chris and I do our research separately so this is all new to me and my mind has just been blown
1: yeah now now if you uh if you don't know anything about how an electric guitar works and a bass is a you know, electric bass is a bass guitar. Yep. Um, They, they use the strings of a guitar, but, uh, you know, if you've ever been around one that's not plugged in, the, the sounds it makes are pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the mechanics of the strings are pretty much the same as you'd see in an acoustic guitar, but, what an electric guitar uses along the body are those those little, uh, sometimes they're silver, sometimes they're darker. Uh, you'll see those little uh, things that run uh, exactly, or not always exactly, but perpendicular to the way the strings move. Um, so they, they are on the body of the guitar. Sometimes there'll be one, sometimes there'll be two or three. Um, sometimes I've seen I, I have friends who are musicians who hack their own guitars and will change out. These are called pickups, and yeah. what these do is they basically interpret the sounds of uh, they they turn the the acoustic vibrations into uh, electronic electric symbols. electric symbols signals signals. That's different I mean, different words. Symbols. I did say symbols. <laughs>
0: Um, I have a little percussive memory there. Go that's ahead. all right. <laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, they, they turn them into uh, electric signals, which travel along the cable and into, really, now, they could be plugged directly into a computer. Yeah. But you know, traditionally, they're plugged into an amplifier. Right. And that's how you can manipulate the, the signals. Well, uh, Jerry Ellsworth has uh, employed the use of a Commodore 64, has done some hacking on the device itself, to allow her to to use the Commodore 64 as a effectively as the pickup for this electric bass and um she that means she can use this to play uh, you know basically any bass guitarist could pick this device up and play a song on it tradi- you know in the traditional fashion uh-huh. and have it turn out as uh, an 8-bit sound she can use um uh, the device to play 8-bit sounds or or something a little bit closer to the traditional electric bass sound um, some of the keys function, um, as a key tar. Um, you know, which is that, uh, uh, depending on how you look at it, really cool or really cheesy. Uh, really g- cool. That's how I see it. Uh, where it was the, the body of the device was, uh, a, a keyboard, but there is a neck uh where you can manipulate the sounds and this is what, what we're talking about there is a uh, a professionally engineered uh manufactured device where it is supposed to do all those things um she sort of made her own uh bass guitar um hacked guitar device and it's just very very cool there are videos uh online you actually uh it's probably too much to do a clip of but i would certainly in- encourage you to uh, check out the videos of, of her playing this instrument because, um, there's really a lot that, that she did to make this work. Of course, then again, she's, uh, known for building race car chassis when she was in her teens and twenties. So you figure she's probably pretty good at this.
0: So I kind of hate her yeah, in a nice way. Actually, it's more envy than hate. Yeah. Let's say I envy her, her ingenuity and skill.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, and I wanted to talk a bit about, there's actually a, a a contest that I, or a competition that I did not even know about until we started recording this. And my ignorance is something I'm kicking myself over because ignorance, not so much bliss in 2009. Uh, there was the first Guthman musical instrument competition. Mm -hmm. All right. So this was a competition for designers to create musical instruments using technology in interesting ways. And they would, uh, they would, Submit them to this competition, and the winner of the competition would win a certain amount of money. That first year, it was a ten thousand uh, dollar, ten thousand dollars for all of the different prizes, and first place would take five thousand of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So ten thousand dollars.
0: So, two thousand nine was when they first had it, and you know where it's located? Down the street. Down the frickin' street over and Georgia Tech. So Georgia yes, we're Tech, we're in Atlanta. We're in Atlanta. We we are in Buckhead in Atlanta, which is so when we say down the street, it's actually a little further than just down the street. It's not it like is. a block or two away, but it's easily accessible. Almost literally though. Yeah, you it's like it's like two train stops and we're next to a train station. Yes. So anyway, it's really really accessible from where we are. And we have never been. We didn't even know it existed until today. And, uh, the fact that this exists is now something that tells me I have to attend next year if I can, uh, if I, if I've got that, that day free. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the devices that were submitted that first year.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the nice thing is, is that we can actually play a little bit of the music that these devices generated. We'll have some clips as well. So, the first one, the one that actually won the prize in 2009, was the silent drum which was from a uh, an, an inventor named Jamie Oliver but not the naked chef not that Jamie Oliver right different you know, Jamie I, Oliver
1: I have to say though that the name of the instrument sort of reminds me of a title of a mystery science theater 3000 video
0: oh yeah silent the drum silent drum yeah well, it makes me think of what all people who live with a drummer wishes the drummer would own
1: <laughs> as a drummer yes
0: yeah, okay so uh silent drum is well, they in the on the site they actually talk about it being a uh, kind of like using shadow puppetry to create music. So oh. It's a really cool thing. All right, so you've got this this device where you've got a uh, 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 light that is projected from the bottom of the device up to the top. The mm-hmm. top has a membrane across it that acts as the what would be the drum head, but you're not striking it like a drum. Instead, you're pressing down on the membrane. You're creating a shadow. There's also a camera that detects where that shadow is. The camera sends signals to this processor that has uh, specialized software on it, built by Oliver, that interprets the shadow as a command to create a certain kind of sound. So depending on where in the membrane you touch, that's going to determine the sound that comes out. And how deep you go changes the, the quality of the sound, uh, whether or not it's going to be a loud one versus a quiet one. And you can create this weird, weird soundscape this way, and uh, we can actually play a little bit of that. So here is a short clip of Oliver demonstrating the silent drum. And if you get a chance to look at the YouTube video, I highly recommend it because he adds a lot of um, theatricality to his performance. <laughs> so uh, here we go. was what took home first prize that year and there were many other uh, uh submissions that you can look at and i have picked out a couple of others to talk about uh some that we can listen to not all of them we don't have video or, or audio clips of all of them but i can play some of the stuff one of them is called the guitar bot which took second place that year uh, it was developed by eric singer and uh it pr- performs guitar parts for the League of Electronic Musical Urban Robots. It's a robotic guitarist. And uh, he actually used four separate robots that each had a single string. Mm-hmm. All right. So imagine, think about like the four guitar necks side by side, but there's no, there's only one string on each one. And then instead of there being frets all the way down the the neck of the guitar, there's only one fret, but the fret can move up and down the length of the string. So it changes the pitch of the note that that string produces because the fret itself relocates to make the string the right length to create the pitch you want. And then at the base of each string, there's a little circular drum that has on it four picks mounted to the drum. So when the drum turns, the pick picks the... The, uh, string and you can turn the the wheel a very specific number of times to to do the uh, the equivalent of finger picking really uh, or you could turn it really quickly so that it's just playing faster than any human being with the possible exception of certain members of van Halen could ever accomplish <laughs> and so uh it's it's really interesting to watch this work as well because you actually see the frets going up and down those strings to generate the tunes. That uh, that you hear from it, and here is a short sample of the guitar bot.
1: sort of reminds me. If you've looked at it, um, uh, the uh, video company named Anna Music. Have you ever seen those? No, um, i have not. They used to be advertised on uh, on TV a lot. Basically, they do um, uh, 3D videos uh, of music, and it's it's all MIDI type. You know, it's all CGI, but the uh, um, the music is when you look at the video, it's created by these fantastic instruments, things that are are essentially robotic in character and uh it it you know they're playing these all sorts of otherworldly you know they're playing themselves basically and uh watching that just reminded me of one of the instruments uh in there or actually probably several of the instruments so it's just kind of cool
0: yeah there there are so many that were submitted that year that I thought were really interesting to the uh, the submitted to the competition uh, another one was uh, uh well third place Went to David Wessel, who uh, was a a Berkeley University professor. Mm -hmm. So, a guy who knows what he's doing. And he had an instrument that he introduced called the slabs. So, you know, a lot of laptops have those, have touchpads. Yes. Mm -hmm. He did, what he did was he took a bunch of those touchpads, more than 30, as I recall, Mm -hmm. and made an array of touchpads. And each touchpad was capable of producing certain tones based upon where your finger was on that on that touchpad and how much pressure you were putting on the touchpad. Interesting. And all of that information was fed through a, a device that was running uh, the Max-MSP audio program. Mm-hmm. And he would be able to create music by moving his fingers along these different touchpads and could create a pretty uh, sophisticated range of sounds. I mean, there were essentially ninety six channels for this device, so lots wow. of lots of options and uh, and here's a little sample of uh, the professor playing along on slabs Cool. Yeah, if you want exactly. something, if you want something that sounds a little more um, primitive, uh, here's another. This this will be our final little sound clip. Okay. Uh, but uh, here's one that I wanted to talk about. Uh, a guy named Neil Feathers created a, a an instrument called Vibro Wheels. Wow. Yeah. So he he creates the sound by rotating these disks that have within it. Some vibrating pellets, so the vibrating pellets are making this certain noise, and then by rotating it, you're creating this kind of Doppler effect. Mm-hmm. And by rotating it at different speeds, you can actually alter the pitch. Uh, and then there are batteries that are supplying the power. And to create the music, you run it at different speeds, uh, and it uh, they're going past guitar pickups, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. that's what's end up interpreting these vibrations and turning it into electric. Signals, <laughs> which then can go to an amplifier, which then can send an amplified signal to speakers and then sound we get balls. to hear them. And I could talk all about the physical abilities of sound, but we've done that in previous podcasts where I'm not going to cover it. But anyway, so moving this around and around, you can make them go in and out of phase, these different rotating discs that have these vibrating pellets and batteries on them. Um, that's what creates the sound. And, uh, they say that the, the, the inspiration for this instrument came from a motorcycle engine. And I think you're going to understand what they meant when you hear this. motorcycle it's uh, could you imagine um yeah Yeah, so that actually (laughs) so that was a finalist for uh that first competition over at georgia tech which has gone on uh every year since including you know there was one in 2012 as well so uh, hopefully in 2013 because we're recording this in 2012 hopefully in 2013 i'll be able to attend that one and see these things in person because i'm finding it really fascinating there was another one that i don't have a sound clip for but the idea was just so wild to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, uh,
0: Catherine Stumreich, she created this device that used lasers. So you knew I was going to love it anyway, right? Oh yeah, that's true. But they used um, lasers that would detect the texture of various fabrics. So we're talking about the thread count or the thickness of that fabric or even wherever the seams are in that fabric. And through the various changes in that detect uh, it would send signals that would create music. So you would actually feed fabric through this machine and the output would be music. You could compose a symphony essentially, an electronic symphony by weaving fabric and changing the pattern
1: of the weave. That's unbelievable.
0: Okay, so I think we're going to end this podcast (laughs) Right you know, here,
1: one good pun just destroys the whole thing. Yeah, I want to. It just comes apart at the seams. I,
0: I, I, am hurting, and I need to seek medical attention.
1: So, danger oh, looms large.
0: Oh man! All right, I'm going to sew this up right now, and we're going to finish this podcast. I think Jonathan's going to spindle me. There's that didn't even make sense.
1: Spindle? I'm gonna, you know, not what, like the kind that goes on the. Never mind. Okay.
0: You know what? After this, I'm going to tell you a yarn that has been in the back of my mind for ages. Sorry, I didn't. That's a totally different thread. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I don't mean to needle Chris in this way. See, Tube can play at that game, Mr. Palette. Nitwit. <laughs> okay. So we're wrapping this up. Honestly. Um, the, the realm of music and hacking is a rich one. Yes. There, there are incredible examples of ingenuity and musicality out there, some of which are higher, on the ingenuity part and less on the musicality, but there's some, there's some incredible examples of people really putting their minds to new ways to create music. And it's, it, it blows my mind Uh, as as someone who appreciates music, but is still very much a novice as far as making music. I find it amazing.
1: Well, it's one thing to, uh, to have something like pro tools to record Uh, analog instruments or, uh, uh, something like Sibelius to, uh, write scores on your, uh, on your computer. But, um, it's kind of interesting to see how people are taking other things and making music out of it. I'm, you know, I'm thinking along the lines of people like, uh, Ben Burt over at, uh, industrial light and magic, uh, making sound effects out of found objects and things like that. It's just uh, neat to see people uh, making things make music that you wouldn't ordinarily see. Um, So certainly not to denigrate the actual musical instruments um, and amazing software and and hardware packages that they use, but uh, this is just kind of fun because it's going, hey, I wonder what kind of sound that thing will make if I hit it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: which uh, takes me right back to my days in kindergarten. Yep. So it wasn't something, it was someone. Anyway, and we Ooh. all learned those lessons. Yes, we did. Uh, let's wrap this up. Guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, I recommend you get in touch with us and let us know, because if you just shout them out the window, we may not hear you. So send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both those locations is techstuff, H-S-W, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you
0: by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?